All right. Well, we're going to have a bunch of fun, a good time, and most importantly, this will be a, uh, I think, something that you guys are going to remember for a long time. And uh, if it's your first camp or your last camp, it's just going to be one of many times where God is setting up places to interact with you. And you know, by design, first of all, I want to make mention to this, by design, you are here tonight. Do you know that God, whether you're close to people around you or you don't know anyone, God intentionally brought you here tonight, intentionally has me here tonight. And so when, when things are on purpose and intentional like this, things happen. And I think what God is doing is going to be really, really special, and it's going to be a lot of a lot of fun, and I think for, for many of you, look back maybe as like, man, I remember when God saved me. Well, I remember when the gospel was open to me in a way that I'd never seen it before. So the lion is what we're going to be talking about tonight, and we're going to be talking about the lion who judges. The lion who judges. Why not on the first night jump into real dark and heavy stuff like God's judgment upon our life, right? Wouldn't that be the best place to start? How God is going to one day judge every one of you. Anyone excited? Yeah. That's kind of a scary thought to me. And so what if I told you how your life was going to end? What if I told you, what if I knew how your life was going to end? What if you knew precisely how you were going to die and when? What a scary thought. I mean, precisely how you were going to die and when you were going to die. What if I knew that and what if I told you? Would you be more scared or now that you know, relieved, and maybe even excited. Okay, good, I got 30 years left. That's a long time, right? Like if you knew you had a lot of time ahead of you, you might be like, okay, let's go. 30 years, I'm going all in. Or maybe some of you would be like, oh, no, bro, if you told me how I was going to die, when I, I don't care if it's 80 years from now, I will be depressed the rest of my life. And some of you would react one of those two ways. It'd be like, let's go all in, make the most of what we got left. Or some of you would be like, oh, it's going to be a sad ending. Which one would you be? You think you'd be the one who would maximize and take full advantage? Or do you think you would be the one who would just be like, why did you ever tell me? And now I know, and now I can't get over it, and now I can't stop thinking about it, and now I can't stop talking about it. Which one would you be? So, it's a weird thing that life always feels kind of like it's lived in the middle. And, and this is what I mean by that. Like, you ever felt like, man, I just can't wait till I get to high school. Or I can't wait till one day when I can go to youth camp. But like, you're not there yet, but one day you know you're in the middle of, you're not there anymore, but you're not really where you want to be. Or, I can't wait till 
I get to graduate high school. Or I can't wait till maybe I can move out of my house and I don't have to be around my parents anymore. And listen, on and on and on. I can't wait till I can go get ice cream. Or that's my favorite restaurant. One day I'm going to go back there. Or I can't wait to go to winter retreat. Often life feels like it's lived in the middle ground. It's like you're not, you're almost there but not quite there. And that's really what life feels like. I, I mean, for me, you know, I, I think about my own kids and, like, they're your age and some of you are even, you know, they're with you and among you. But, like, who are they going to marry one day? And where will they, will they go to college and what kind of job will they get? Or I think about myself, like, I wonder how long I'm going to do this job. I wonder when things are going to change. I wonder how I'm going to get over there. But that is a lot like life. It feels like we're in the middle. Are you ever curious about one day when in your life? And what are those things that you're curious about? What, are you, what do you wonder about how things will end up one day? And the Bible has something to say about how things will end up. And right now, we're kind of in this middle space where we're like, I know where I'm at. The Bible tells me where I'll be one day. But what about in the meantime? That's life. A lot of life is just like that. And what we want to focus on tonight is the end. Like what, what will be one day. And then there's this middle where we're, we're curious. And I remember being your age and thinking about heaven and hell and thinking about Am I going to go there or go there? And what does it take to go there versus there? And do I qualify for that? Like that's a really important question. The very end of life, even after like who am I going to marry and am I going to have kids and what's it going to be like after high school and will I make a lot of money or will I not make a lot of money? What's even more important than that is like what happens after you die? That's a really, really important thing to be curious about. I mean, we care a lot about who's going to win this competition. How much more should we be caring about? What happens at the end when it's all over? And you know life creeps up quick. It, it, it creeps up real quick. I, re, I have a first cousin, 17 years old. My dad's like kind of on the oldest side of six kids. And so the youngest had a kid who's your age. And just like a week ago, he died. Se- 17, totally healthy, gone. And so there is no more in the middle. There's no like, what's going to happen in the meantime? It's, it's done. It, and the Bible says it's appointed for once, once a man lives and dies and then the judgment. There's something on the other side. So why not at youth camp on night one talk about the heaviest thing? The most serious thing, the judgment. And how does Christ act as the victorious lion at the end? And will he be a victorious lion in the end? And and how do you fit in to him being victorious, him being strong, him being capable? Him ruling and reigning. And what if life were cut short? Then what? And so the scripture teaches us very clearly 
about these things. And so we're going to talk about the lion who judges tonight. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. So if you have, is that, that's in your uh, notes, I think. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, maybe, maybe not. It's, it's, it's kind of in the middle of the Bible. It's like if you go to the middle and turn ish to the left or maybe like two-thirds of the way through. It's probably more two-thirds of the way through. And then you turn left, you'll see like Ezekiel and Jeremiah. I'm flipping with you and Isaiah, Ecclesiastes, and it just means you've gone too far. So then go back the other way to the right and you'll find this little book called Daniel. And Daniel chapter 7. And then if you got to Hosea, it's like a hose with an A on the back end. Or Joel, you've gone too far again. And then you'll find the middle, Daniel. All right, giving you a moment. That's called filler language while you find a book of the Bible that's kind of weird to find. Ready? Not ready. This is why we're, I love you bringing your Bibles. Turning, finding books. Daniel chapter 7. Ready? Verse 13. So look, y'all, I just want to tell you, this is the end. This is the end. So if you're wondering how it's going to end, this is how it ends. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Something about the sky here, and someone is coming out of the sky. It's already getting weird. The end is already more weird than you would have thought, and maybe more scary, because there's someone defying gravity. There's a vision, a picture of someone like the Son of Man, and he's up there, and he's coming. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Speaking of God the Father. And to him, Jesus, the Son of Man, it doesn't say Jesus, but the Son of Man, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. So it's positioning Christ who later on would identify himself, and we'll see it in a little bit. He identified himself as the Son of Man. So you rewind and you see Daniel says, I saw one like the Son of Man, like a Son of Man coming out of the sky. And he was presented before God. And to this Son of Man was given everything. Power, dominion, authority, all of it. All of a sudden, he's the lion. Everybody's looking at that guy like he must be in charge. He's the boss. So he was given dominion and glory in a kingdom that all peoples, look, all peoples, different types of peoples around the nation, different nation people group, all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. This is how it ends. If you were curious how it all ends, this is how it ends. One day, there's going to be someone like a son of man who's going to break through the sky. And he will be given of this earth all dominion, power, authority. He can, 
execute his will upon everything and so that all sorts of people from every nation and every language would serve him. This is the end. Not everyone will serve him, but some from every land, every time, every country, every era, every, 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 there will be many who serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And also, by the way, he's going to be the boss forever. Forever. It's not going to go up and then go down and then go back up and then go down. Jesus Christ will be the lion, the conqueror forever. Have you ever thought about how life is kind of a bummer a lot of times? Sorry, I'm just fixing this thing. This thing is whack. It's really, there we go. Let's try that. Have you ever thought about how life is kind of a bummer? Do you ever feel like you're on the underside of power? You're on the underside of the situation. You're always under someone or something, and you can't quite get up. And maybe you identify yourself and the background you came from, the way you were raised, the parents who were not there, or the parents who were there that made things tough. Whatever your circumstance is, you ha have you ever felt like you're more of a lamb than a lion? Weak, fragile, broken, but certainly not this. Here's the news for those of you who feel like this in life. Sad, depressed, angry, bitter, broken. You know you don't have what it takes. You don't have the goods. Other people are better. This is what's more true than that. Jesus, one day, will be conqueror of all things, including your sadness, including your depression, including your anger, including the way in which you were raised, including how you aren't and weren't good enough, and also it doesn't go down and then up like you. It's always, he's always the victor. He's always, he will come on clouds. Anybody who comes with clouds is the boss. You can't beat a guy like that. And anyone who's given all authority, y'all know the movie, and how many stones does he put into his glove? Six. And what's his name? Thanos, not Thanos. Thanos. Nobody could take anything away from him. Well, that's just the comic. Jesus is that. And he does conquer everything that is not of him. And all of that feeling of brokenness and sadness and underside is of sin and the devil and will one day be conquered. Yeah, but what about now? I know you're talking about then, but what about now? And we're going to get to that over these coming days, especially in two nights. We'll get to now. We'll talk about how he is victorious now. But I want to encourage you in the truth. One day he will be for sure, forever, without fail, overcoming and ha have overcome. He will overcome, and it will always be in the past, those things. The Bible says that there will be no more tears, and there will be no more sorrow, 
There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. He will conquer. This is who Jesus is. And that's good news for you, but it's mostly about him. He's the boss. He's the man. He rides clouds, and no one beats him. Good news. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Nobody can beat him. Flawless victory. This is just true and important for you guys to know because life often feels up and down. The God we serve, though, who we are observing tonight, always wins. So, you ever heard of the Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen? And I put a little bit of a blurb in there, but I want to set it up and then I'm going to read a little bit. But the story is about a king who's obsessed with the way he looks concerning his clothes. And then he's tricked by some people who tell him, oh, we make the most beautiful clothes. And those beautiful clothes, to the stupid people on the planet, you can't even see them. But they're on. So don't worry about it. They're there. So act like they're there. But you know, when you act in ways that are foolish, even though you know the truth, you kind of end up looking silly. Let's see what happens. So many years ago, there was an emperor so exceedingly fond of new clothes that he spent all his money on being well-dressed. He cared nothing about reviewing his soldiers or going to the theater or going for a ride in his carriage except to show off his new clothes. He had a coat for every hour of the day. He was a baller. And instead of saying, as one might, about any other ruler, the kings in council, here they always said, the emperor is in his dressing room. He was obsessed with looking a certain way. He was always in the dressing room, and every hour he had a new coat. Any of you feel like that's your sibling? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Always got looking good, always new, always fresh. But how many of you know your sibling style? You don't really like it, am I right? Every sibling always thinks their, their sibling has the worst style. I don't know why it's a thing. It just is a thing. In the great city where he lived, life was always happy. Every day many strangers came to town, and among them one day came two swindlers or two liars or two thieves. They let it be known that they were weavers. In other words, they made clothes with their hands, and they said they could weave the most magnificent fabrics imaginable. Not only were their colors and patterns uncommonly fine, but clothes made of this cloth had a wonderful way of becoming invisible. To anyone who was unfit for his office or, was who, or who was unusually stupid. Now, if you knew that the clothes that someone allegedly had on, if you couldn't see them, but you knew that everyone would think you're stupid as a result of not being able to see them, would you say you saw them? You would. Good job. Would you say and act like, oh, yeah, 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 I love them. They're great. And what happened is all of the king's men would come in, and the weavers would make this cloth, but it was no cloth. There was nothing there. And he was just naked. 
And they would say, what do you think about my clothes? Or he, the king would say, and they would be like, wait, if I say I don't see them, he'll fire me, he'll mock me, he'll make fun of me. So one after the other, they came in and they said, I love them. Those are great clothes. They're beautiful. But the king himself did not even see the clothes on himself, and he had to say the same thing. Aren't they such beautiful clothes as he stood there without clothes? Now, isn't this kind of foolish? It's kind of silly. Let's keep reading. So this is what ends up happening, y'all. He goes on a parade through his entire city to show off his beautiful clothes. And person after person after person, they act like they see. But in fact, they don't. So the, the king tried on all of his clothes, and, and all of his friends said they loved them, and he went on a naked parade. Oh, come on, king, what you doing? But he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. After adult, after adult, after adult said, beautiful, king, you look so good. Finally, the little kid said, there's nothing there. Have you ever heard such an innocent prattle, said the kid's father, and one person whispered to another what the child had said. Hey, the kid said he ha doesn't have anything on. A child said he hasn't anything on. But he hasn't anything on at all. The whole town cried out at last. So eventually it became apparent and obvious to everyone, including the king, that there were no clothes. And they all confessed there were no clothes. And the king, this is how he ends it. He says, well, I'm already out here with no clothes. I might as well finish the parade. So he goes on and he finishes the parade. How would you have acted if you saw that the king was wearing nothing, but you were expected to act like they were beautiful? And the reason I say that story is because I really want to ask this question. How would you act if you knew the end? Would you act like it wasn't true? Or would you act like it were? That, like that story, a person who knows the end but acts completely different is foolish. Just like you would say, oh, that man with no clothes who's saying he's got them on, and that woman who's saying she loves them, but there's none there, that's just stupid, right? Would be similar to saying this. I know how it will end, but I'm going to live as if it's not true. That also, keeping with the same words, would just be stupid. But you are not blind to how it's going to end. And I would also say that you are not a fool. And you are here tonight to be reminded by God's word. And we're about to read a, a passage in Matthew that's going to remind us. Christ the lion will one day judge. And there will be an end. And we should all act like that end is true.
And it shouldn't take little kids saying that's true. It's the Bible that teaches us about truth. It's not easy truth, but it's truth. And then our lives slowly but daily conform to the truth that Christ is a lion who will one day judge. And we are going to be positioned and postured as the one he judges. What if I told you the end of your life? Would it matter? And this is what he goes on to tell us. So Matthew chapter 25. Turn there. So you're going to go right. You're going to go right. And it's the first book with red letters maybe in your Bible. If you don't have any red letters, old school Bibles had red letters and that was Jesus' words. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. So here it is. This is Jesus. Remember Daniel chapter 7? Woo! There's a dude on clouds. One like the Son of Man. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes to his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So Jesus is acknowledging himself as the one who's going to rip the sky open and he will come to sit on a throne and he's coming not just with clouds but with lots of powerful warring angels with him it would be foolish to not live as if that's not true it would be wise to live as if that is true and I'm here to tell you from Scripture, it's true that Jesus is coming. And he's coming in power. It will be the end. This is how it unfolds. And we should take note of that and say, now what? That would be the proper response. N now what? Okay, if he's coming back and it's real and he's going to come on his throne, he's going to be that powerful. Now what? Please tell me what now. That would be the proper response when you hear of his coming kingdom. With angels, he's coming. Flip real quick to chapter 26, verse 51. Just after, and we're going to go back to that story in a second that he lays out. But just after this happens in chapter 26, look at what Jesus says. So it's, it's kind of cool to see, hey, when I come back and I'm going to bring lots of angels with me and I'm going to come and sit on a throne, remember the disciples are hearing that. His best friends are hearing that. And just a little short time later in chapter 26, verse 51, 51 is just after 50, but just before 52. Verse 51 through 53, 
It says this, and this is when they're coming to get Jesus. Remember, Jesus just said, hey, I'm going to be on a throne. I'm coming out of the sky from the clouds. And then right after that, there's a bunch of dudes coming with clubs and swords. So you got to think his disciples are like, okay, they're coming to get him. They're coming to get him. But I know how this ends. He ends on a cloud somehow with angels all over the place. And it's going to be good, right? Verse 51. Not so right is what it seems. Says this. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand when those people were coming to capture Jesus. One of his boys stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Come on, bro. Really? Just the ear? At least kill him. You know what I'm saying? He's your best friend. Striking a man's ear off. That's just an insult. Verse 52, then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Whoa, I, I thought you were coming with legions of angels. And now you're, you're saying put the sword away. Because if you ask, God would send legions of angels. But I thought you were coming with legions of angels. You see how that might be a little confusing? All of a sudden, Jesus, he was this lion. And all he begins to look very different. Put your swords away. Now's not the time for me to come on the clouds. Right now is a different time. And he says, so the scriptures would be fulfilled. It has to be this way the end was not yet but it's coming and it still hasn't come but it's on the way so let's flip back verse 32 let's see how it all ends y'all let's see how it all unfolds he says this and again matthew chapter 25 verse 32 before him this is jesus this is the end before him will be gathered all the nations. Remember in Daniel, it talks about all the nations and all the people. So this is the day. He's sitting on his throne. He's come out of the sky. Before him comes all of the people in front of him. And he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. If I told you that at the end of time, Jesus is coming out of the sky. He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to line every last one of us suckers up. And then he's going to file us to the left or he's going to file us to the right. And one goes one place and one goes another. If I told you that's how it would end, how would you respond? Would you say, oh, I see the clothes? Or would you say, ah, that man's got nothing on. Because if you live your life as if the lion is not coming as the judge, you're acting like there's clothes. But y'all, there's no clothes. He's coming back. He will be the lion. And he will judge us all. So we know there's a file here and a file there. 
and there's an in the meantime until that day. The proper response should be, now what? Wouldn't you say? That would be an appropriate response. Let's see what he's going to do with these lines. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. So look at, look at where the judgment is moving right now. It's moving to when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then those people in that line will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? How, let me, I mean, let me just ask you, have any of you ever seen Jesus lately? Oh, and by the way, was he naked when you saw him? Was he really hungry? Or better yet, was he a prisoner? Or was he really sick, lying on his desk? Which of those did you see when you saw Jesus? And the answer is like, uh, none. Well, that's the obvious question that we should all ask right here. And, and this is what Jesus says. After they say, I, 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 when did we even see you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So he brings it real home right here. When you served those who were mine, you were doing it to me. You know what? Life often makes us, through the situations of life, it makes us contract and look only at ourselves. How many of you are guilty of looking only here at yourself? That's a common thing. I think the most important thing I can remind you guys about tonight is you need to look up, keeping with our Daniel 7, you got to know that Jesus is coming back, and he's going to be a lion, and he's going to judge. Just that truth can set you free. Who Christ is, he is the lion. And when we're so in on ourselves, we don't pay attention to truths like that. And therefore, we won't pay attention to brothers and sisters in Christ who we can serve. It's not about serving people. This is not how we go to heaven. But it is true that out of our heart for Christ and acknowledging who he is, we are after serving him and knowing that he is the judge and knowing that we will give an account. Therefore, what have you called me to do? And we find in Scripture, and if you don't read the Scripture, it's hard to know, but we find caring and loving one another is part of that plan. And this is how we serve Christ, by doing these types of things, which is just a reflection. It's not the thing. It's just a reflection of how we see Him. But if you're not serving others, there's a good chance you don't have your head up and you don't remember that Christ, He's King, He's the Lion, and he's coming. And then there's the other group of people. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. If I told you that there would be a line of people separated on one side and a line of people separated on another, and this group of people, not you particular, sorry you're on this side right now, but if this group of people, lucky, but if this group of people were the people who were told, you will forever in eternity be with the devil and demons, and there's going to be fire, like it's going to be wild, and it's far from God, and it will be a suffering consequence for your sin. If I told you that was true, would you say there are clothes on the cake? Would you, would you act like, ah, just whatever? Because the Bible makes it plain how it ends. And to those people, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, you didn't give me food. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't welcome me, naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they asked the right question. They said, then you're going to answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? They just asked the right question. I go, what? <laughs> I never saw you naked or in prison or hungry or thirsty. And he goes on to say, truly, I say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. If I told you Christ is the lion and he's going to come to judge and he's going to file it out and he's going to separate left from right, one from two, into one eternal life with him and to the other eternal death with the devil would you acknowledge it is true and would you appropriately respond by saying now what and that's like how we have to start i hope that's you see like that's how we always have to start our lives to finish in that place we have to start from this place Recognizing once again the dude's coming and all authority and power and he's coming with the clouds, lots of angels one day with him and he's going to sit on a throne and it's going down and there's a separation and that's your future. Now what I'm not telling you tonight is like, so be a good person, shape up, stop sinning. Get serious. Stop being a fool. This is what I'm telling you tonight. It's true. Acknowledge it. And then appropriately respond in your heart to that truth. And the way God works in saving us is he exposes truth to us. And then we see our sin. And what it looks like is I'm living a life that doesn't acknowledge that as true. I have put myself on a throne 
given myself authority and dominion and power. And I live for myself, but I don't acknowledge him as being that. I have taken the place of God. I'm more interested in worshiping me. And I'm not interested in worshiping him. It casts off the truth and embraces a lie. And it starts when you're this age, y'all. And then it just turns into more of the same in your 20s and your 30s and all the way down. All it is is this. I'm going to act like and live like it's not real. And instead of that, I'm going to put myself on the coming clouds with power and authority. And I will be the judge of my life. And I submit to myself, but I don't submit to him. Repentance is this. I acknowledge that it's true, and his ways are true, and they're better than my ways. And the way in which he says is the way in which is right and true, and I will move that way. That's repentance. And each of you know whatever areas in your lives that you have as sin. And I just hope tonight is a night that we can first, I guess more than anything else, properly position Christ. Number one, Christ is the lion who's coming to judge. And that should position your heart. And it should say, it should strike you. And it should say, now what? And tomorrow we're going to talk about now what? And the next day we're going to talk about now. We're going to be reminded of truths now that we know who he is and what's going to happen. I mean, I'm interested in this, y'all. I want to know about this stuff because this life is that fast. And then there's that. And what I would love to see would be a group of teenagers who would actually be sober-minded enough to know this truth and to act like it as truth and to see the world through this lens and you interact with friends in high school and college in the neighborhood, and you don't just interact with them as friends. You see, like, there is a truth that's coming one day, and you may not even know about it, but I heard about it at youth camp. I was reminded of it, and it matters. And I can't just go back to living as if it's not true because the king doesn't have any clothes on. I'm not going to act like he's got clothes on anymore. There has to be a change. And this is called repentance. acknowledging that you have replaced yourself in the clouds on the throne. He, he is judge, y'all. He is the lion. He is the king. He is the powerful one, not you. And so our response positions us to receive the goodness that he offers us through his sacrifice. And we don't see that as weak. We see that as strong. And we're grateful and we worship as a result of seeing like this dude is this much power yet even when he was about to be crucified acknowledges, hey, remember I could call some angels down but I'm going to do it this way. And we're going to fall in love with him hopefully tomorrow because of his sacrifice. More and more we'll fall in love with him. Let's stand up.
guess we could maybe, well, we could sing a song. What do you think? You good with that? Val, what do you think? Should we sing? Should we? Yeah, let's do a little song. And we're going to pray. I would just like to let everyone sit in this moment, and maybe you can just sit where you are, but I do want to be reflective and repentant. I do want each of you to be able to close your eyes, and I want you to acknowledge the truth toward God. God, I see the truth that you just showed me in the Bible about what's going to happen in the end. Like, this is what prayer looks like. Real simple, y'all. I see that he's coming one day. And I see that every authority and power is going to be given to him. And I see that he's going to judge God. And I, oh, man, that's a little scary. And I see that he's going to divvy it out and to one eternal life and to the other eternal death. And it's like this, God, would you make me one who is given eternal life? Would, would you change me, God, to know and acknowledge that truth? And God, would you help me to live as if that's true? And then it turns into something like this. And I know in this area and in that area, I haven't been acknowledging that as truth. And I'm sorry. And give me the strength to resist that temptation. I know I've been putting myself on the throne. God, help me to put Christ as the one on the throne. And I'm repenting of my sin, and I'd ask you to change me. That's, that's, what that, that's what prayer looks like, and that's what repentance looks like. That's simple, right? So it's nothing fancy or flashy or crazy, and you have to have long, crazy words and biblically, like, it's just very, acknowledge the truth, and then say, help me, change me, and would you make me one? who is filed in a way that spends eternity with you.